Well, what better player could the Twins add to their roster for a show named Chin Music? We get Carlos Santana, and I think we should have <laughs> Carlos Santana playing first base and Carlos Santana playing the national anthem before every game. I'm in. I am absolutely in. Uh, you guys know uh, my affinity for uh, Carlos Santana, my decades-long affinity for Carlos Santana guitar. And I will tell you that I have affinity for this guy, this switch hit and DH. I just and you know potential first base player. I just like the guy. There's he's got he's got issues here and there with strikeouts and different things, but big power, big on base percentage, uh, big league hitter uh, experience. Kind of, I, I think it's kind of a cool move for the Twins. I like it. Um, I think has how desperate teams are for like. Great promotional nights. Carlos Santana night would be huge uh, <laughs> at Target Field if you could have uh, both appear in the field before the game and maybe have the musicians play and the players sing. Uh, that would be uh, a great event for for everyone involved. So um, I, I think it's a solid move. Um, he was about an average hitter last year coming off a couple years where he was not an average hitter, but the way the twins probably will use him will probably allow him to be the most effective he can be. Cause I'm guessing what are we guessing here? DH and some first base, right? Yeah, for sure. So, I think, I think he's a first baseman. He's a great fielder. Yeah. I, but I think that he's horse bleep from the left side and he will could platoon with Kirilov. Kirilov could bat lefty yeah. and he could bat righty. And maybe he can DH a little bit when he's not playing first. But you're right. You're right. He's capable with the glove. But, man, I mean, how many years do we watch the Twins play the Indians and they wanted to turn Santana around to his weak side uh, with their pitching moves? So I would imagine that Rocco and those guys would stay away from having a bat left-handed as much as possible. And he's listen, he's, he's an excellent fielder. Yep. So. When you're facing a left-handed pitcher, it's going to be easy to run him out there as your first baseman. There will probably be some matchups where you don't mind him batting left-handed. But he fits because the other first baseman is probably going to be a left-handed hitter, either Kirilov or Julian, depending on how things develop here. But right. he's a very good fielder, and he's a very smart player. Uh, so I like it. And and I think what's fascinating here, you see the, the trade, the Polanco trade, the Santana signing, what they've done in continuing to add bullpen arm after bullpen arm after bullpen arm is, listen, fans want them to go out and spend a billion dollars in free agency every year. It's never going to happen. I don't know why we even have the conversation anymore. Uh, but the reality is they've learned the last couple of years that depth is just as important as star power, if not more important. So they they have built like a 12-man bullpen. Uh, they've built now a, a player position uh, roster that has incredible depth and flexibility. You know, the only thing they don't really have in terms of depth, pure depth is starting pitching, but I think the bullpen arm, all the bullpen arms kind of mitigate that. What do you think of that, LaBelle? Well, I don't think they're done adding. No. They, they no. may come up, because I, I reached out to someone yesterday and said, um, when are you guys releasing your, your uh, spring training invites? He said, situation is still fluid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think they're still trying to tweak um, that, and I think they, I think they saw last year, the benefit of 
I, I think they know who the key players are. They know the top half of the roster and they tweaked the bottom half of the roster. They had Farmer and Solano, which, you know, kind of bailed them out when uh, some other guys were struggling during the season. So I think, you know, they're motivated to continue to try to find guys who can strengthen the bottom. And, you know, I'm, I, I respect that. I understand that. Cause I'm a guy who's always been screaming the best way to build d- depth is to bring in good people and push down from the top of your roster. But if the top of your roster is already settled, you know, I guess you do have to tweak it at the bottom and they're good at tweaking uh, <laughs> the bottom of the roster. So uh, I can't wait to see who else they add. And Jim, I also believe if you think about it too, in terms of production from the first base spot, you know, they'll probably, they'll probably maximize their production with those two guys uh, playing that position. You guys make two really good points there. And I, I want to uh, kind of, you know, punctuate, accentuate um, Jim, your point about the uh, starting pitching and the, and the bullpen is a, is a really good one. I think it's, it obviously is easier and cheaper to build out the bullpen depth than it is to get a guy that's going to pitch six innings every, every fifth day. Right. So uh, they've, they're, they have been unable to get another uh, frontline starter but I think they have a frontline bullpen, and I think you know they can't beat them up too much. I mean, they're going to start starters will will be an issue as they are for every team. But in the meantime, I think they've done the absolute best that they you know that they could you know in the situation. So I I, I, like, I really like the bullpen. I like you know the Topa being part of the 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 Polanco trade, as I said uh, last when we talked about the trade last week or so, but. The other the other point is they have a uh, a dearth of right handed hitters. Uh, they and Santana can hit right handed. Uh, he can play a good first base, which you guys point out. Uh, it's an automatically easy platoon with Kirloff if they want to do that, which gets two right handed hitters in the lineup uh, that uh, find a right handed hitter to DH and and play. Uh, uh, Santana at first, and then uh, he can uh, Santana can DH both sides of the plate. I know he's been he's not been good left-handed, but I think that his presence uh, as especially as a right-hand hitter, even if you're going to play, you know, Kirilov against a left-hander and, and Santana DHing against a left-hander, it makes the lineup better. So I mean, I think it's a I think it's a pretty benign move, but one that will. And the last point about the good the good points you guys are making, it changed the team around when they got Farmer and Solano and and uh, Michael A. Taylor and it wasn't just uh, depth for injuries. Those guys really contributed, uh, you know, off the bench uh, as well. And the, we've talked about the Twins hadn't had that in you know a decade, and so I like the fact that you know there it's. It's addition uh, to the to the starting staff by making the bullpen better. Uh, it's addition to the uh, lineup by plusing up as Lavelle says, plusing up the you know the the second half of the of the roster. And they get a right uh, you know they get a right hand hitter that can uh, draw a walk, get it you know get a base hit, hit for power, and play some first base. I mean, what's wrong with that? I'm just shocked that uh, that Rocco didn't insist they sign on a player named Trey Anastasio. Or or Joe Fish, 
You know, I mean, <laughs> by the way, I, one more note before I actually introduce the show, I wanted to get right into the meat of the stuff here, but uh, I was, there's a big media personality in this town. He's on this network. And I once mentioned Carlos Santana to him and he said, oh, the guy from Smooth? No way. Yes. It, it reminded me that there is a generation behind us that doesn't understand how great the pioneers were. Carlos Santana was a pioneer in kind of uh, rock, jazz, soul, fusion, beautiful guitar playing. And some people think he's the guy who played with Rob Thomas on Smooth. <laughs> I won't wow. sell the guy out, but that was that was a very that was a it, it was a dagger to my heart. All right, oh, this is chin music say, that hurts me right yep. down to my soul. It hurts, man. It freaking hurts. Uh, so this is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at talknorth.com. Best way to listen is to subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, you can also just uh, go to talknorth.com and find our shows and our archives. We do a lot of storytelling on here, so even the old shows are relevant. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Brandon Morton is our producer. And we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. TSR Injury Law, and Twill in the Edina Galleria. Uh, the, the lineup today, as it is most days, is Roy Smalley, former Twin Star Curtain Twins broadcaster, Lavelle E. Neal, Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan from Star Tribune. Is it is this, is it overstating it to say this is kind of the Nelson Cruz guy they've been seeking the last few years, or, or, is, or is Santana more of a bottom-of-the-order, you know, fill-in-a-spot kind of guy? Well, I think he, he's not, he's not Nelson Cruz. Uh, he's not that Nelson Cruz kind of guy. He's not, he's not that um, big a, um, uh, uh, a third or fourth place hitter that you just stick him in there and let everybody else get better, uh, you know, around him. But I do think uh, I, I, that they needed a right-handed bat and they need somebody that can be a veteran hitter in the DH spot, wherever he hits in the lineup. And, um, you know, they were having, you know, they were having, um, you know, catchers, one catcher catch, the other catcher DH once in a while. They were having, they were, they were having, you know, resting uh, uh, Royce Lewis and playing Farmer and, and having Royce Lewis. I mean, they, they're moving things all around. I think just to have a guy that you say, okay, you're going to, you're going to be the DH, especially against left-handed pitchers. I, I think that's a big deal in the lineup. I really do. I think the, the right hand, the other right-handed hitters, um, you know, needs needs support uh, in that lineup. You know, the Royce Lewis and and Carlos Correa, Buxton. You know, ho hopefully is is healthy again. You know, those guys those guys you know need another bat uh, other than what they had. And I think Santana's going to be just fine in that role. Again, you know, him as a right hand hitter. Yeah, when uh, I, when the move was made, I immediately thought about Roy because Roy's been on here for the last couple of years saying they really never replaced. Nelson Cruz, and I started trying to factor in is this their replacement for Cruz? And I was like, I came to the same conclusion. He's not definitely not Cruz because he's not going to hit 40 homers and be a force. I'm curious to see where they bat him in the order. Um, because he does, he, he can draw a few walks along the way, uh, not as much as he did when he froze, first broke him to the majors, but I still argue that if you get him in the right situation in the right lineup. And get him realizing, you know, how he can best help that lineup. He may be able to tick the walk number upward, because that would mean he could bat, uh, you know, in the top of the order. And the fact that he's a switch hitter helps. 
And maybe that's what the twins would think about with him with having him bat second or something like that. So, um, uh, so not quite Nelson Cruz, but he can still bring stuff to this particular lineup that they don't, they didn't have before this move was made. And so in that end, it makes them a better team. Although I, I want him to bat left-handed as few times as possible. <laughs> you know, he, he can still hit the ball out of the ballpark uh, left-handed and draw a walk left-handed, uh, both of which are really important in, in today's game. And as much as, you know, we look at his numbers and say we don't want him to hit left-handed, um, you know, we, they ran Joey Gallo out there to try it, you know, every day for his attraction. Trying looking for a home, you know, that one home run a week, and and um, I, I think I think Santana left-handed is at least like that. So I mean, they, I it you want him as a right-handed batter, there's no question about it. Um, but uh, um, I uh, in this lineup, he could be he could get a little left-handed hitting resurgence as well. Yeah, and I'm, looking, I'm, looking at his, I'm looking at his OPS plus through his career here. You know, he had, it was 109 last year, which slightly above average. If you can do that again, that'll help the lineup. Yep. Last year, Karoloff, OPS against right-handed pitching, 858. OPS in limited bats against left-handed pitching, 482. Uh, what do you think this move means for Karoloff? Do you mean these? Listen, I've heard both publicly and privately so many different Twins official opinions on Karoloff. At one point, they thought he was going to be the savior. Mm-hmm. Then there was a then there was a time they're like, does this guy even want to play baseball? And now they see value if he can stay healthy. Uh, Lavelle, where do you think they are with this guy right now? I still think they're kind of confused of what he can be, what he's going to be, and I, I think the injuries and the setbacks physically have given them pause for thinking that uh, he could be a high level uh, productive player. Um, and plus, the way he came back from those injuries, too, it seemed like they lingered with him longer, um, gave him cause f- for concern. But I believe, you know, the issue was with a wrist. And, you know, I will always defer to hitters because hitters' hands and wrists are extremely important to them. So if something's not right in that area, I can get where, you know, they're not feeling uh, as great as they possibly can be. But, um, with him, I think the jury's still out. And I think his age now, it's been several years for Kirilov. I mean, when it goes back drafted in 2018. Is that what it is? Um, they need to see him take that step up because I still think, man, you guys, when he gets in the batter's box, I think he's going to get a hit. You know, I still see, think that when he when he comes to the plate, but it has not um, it has not materialized that way. He's got a, the ability to drive the ball to opposite field, which is, you know, a good trait to have. And he could pull the ball. I just, I think he knows what he's doing, but it seems like, it seems like he's a, uh, it's not fair, but it seems like he's a greyhound. Um, and the thing about a greyhound is they can run a race and they can win races, but if there's one little bump, they're going to spin it out of control. And that's what I worry about Alex, Alex Kirilov. Yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest surprise to me about Kirilov, and I, you know, I do, I won't, you know, I won't say anything about the, you know, the the failure to the injuries and the and the and the length of time, you know, and the, that it took him to come back and the setbacks and all that. I mean, I I, I can't have an opinion about, you know, a guy's uh, toughness and or his ability to play with, you know, 
get back and play with a little pain because you know we don't know what's going on with a guy and and Lavelle's right. I mean, you have you have a bad wrist, especially where where his pain was, and it's you know you're you're not the same. And as a young yeah. hitter, uh, you know you go up there and you're worried about catching up a fastball because you're because it hurts when you swing. And then all of a sudden you get in all kinds of bad habits. Um, and, and that leads me to what I'm most surprised about. I mean, I think I could say, okay, he got some bad habits because his wrist is bad and, and he'll overcome that. He's got a great approach. He's got that approach that I liked, you know, the ability to hit the ball the opposite way, the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark the opposite way, which means that he should hit left-handers. And that's been my biggest surprise. And uh, and maybe it's injury risk related, concerned about, you know, letting the ball travel against left-handers so that he's not vulnerable to breaking balls. And if he lets the ball travel, he's, his wrist won't let him catch up with a fastball, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, who knows what that is. But my my biggest, the biggest surprise for me about Kirilov is, and I don't expect him to hit 300 against left-hand uh, pitching. Not very many left-handed hitters do that anyway. But, you know, 250 for him with the approach that he has against left-handed, I think is it should be eminently doable, at least 250 uh, to go with what you you know you described as right, his statistics, Jim, against right-hand pitching. That's a really solid offense uh, from a guy, uh, you know, playing every day. I, I'm just surprised at how messed up he looked against left-handers the last, the last two years that we've seen no doubt all right uh, let's let's take care of the business of the business uh, first of all check out don mitchell's show dawn of sports latroy hawkins was our guest this week one of my favorites of all time great conversation with him check that out don has all kinds of different guests we do a lot of women in sports but we also hit uh the men's sports as well check it out I uh, want to let you know that we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. And happy, how can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high-efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offers subject to available credit. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law. As Steve Terry always says, all you need to remember, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, call that number, 612-TSR-TIME. They'll take good care of you. I guarantee it. Also want to thank my friend Scott Dayton, Twill by Scott Dayton, Edina Galleria, my favorite men's clothing store. I've had a series of events where I didn't want to look like a complete slob, and everything I wore was from Twill. Uh, beautiful sport coat, Stenstrom shirts, Peter Millar, uh, Brax pants, belts. I mean, they basically dress me head to toe. So when I'm, you know, when I want to look like not just a sports writer, I wear everything I've bought at Twill. Uh, they've had a sale going on this winter, 40% off uh, stuff. They're, you know, trying to move out of the way for inventory reasons that you don't have many sales. Highly recommend whether it's on sale or not going there. You'll buy clothes. You will have the rest of your life. They're durable. They will make you look better. Twillmn.com, Twill in the Dyna Galleria. Uh, Lavelle, we missed you last week, so we didn't get to talk to you. Just give us your final wrap-up thoughts on Joe Maurer and this Hall of Fame class. Uh, um. I'm I'm thrilled that he got in. I knew he. I always thought he was a Hall of Famer. I wasn't sure if he was going to get on the on the first ballot. 
Um, but it's still, it kind of reinforces my opinion on how the writer's DNA is. Um, I think people drill down on stats more. And I think the writers looked at him and saw his 10 years as a catcher being elite, being, you know, uh, possibly the best catcher in baseball for several of those years. And that was enough for them to overlook the five years he was a first baseman. I also think that it's in the writer's DNA to err toward the side of a likable person. And Joe definitely is a likable guy. I don't know if anyone has ever disliked Joe Maurer other than pitchers who have thrown to him. Uh, so I, I think that the, the writers, uh, since he wasn't a jerk or was not standoffish or offish or would blow off reporters, I think that also factored into the support he got in his first year on the ballot. So it's cool. It's great for him. It's great for this community. It's amazing for St. Paul. I, I just can't believe that, that town has Winfield Molitor, Jack Morris and, and Maurer as Hall of Famers, all within, I think, seven and a half miles of each other growing up in that in that town. It, it just it's that, that's just amazing to me. So um, this will it'll be a great day. Uh, I would expect half the city of St. Paul to be in Cooperstown. This could be one of the biggest crowds in history with all of St. Paul being there and having covered the Hall of Fame when they were got in and saw how many Dominicans came there. And now that Adrian Beltre's in, I know Adrian's not big poppy, but uh, there's only like five Dominicans in the hall of fame. So, I mean, hmm. that's, that's willing. That's, that's motivation for them to make a trek. It's going to be a hell of a celebration. I will disagree with one thing, Lavelle. I think Maurer's reputation among writers was that he didn't talk much. And when he did, he didn't say anything. Uh, and, he was very good at not answering questions. I don't think he won points with his personality. I think it, this was a purely uh, people looking, going back and looking at his career, looking at achievements and numbers saying he's just a Hall of Famer. Well, I will say this. I, I hear what you're saying. I'm saying that he wasn't a prick. And I think that well, that's once, true. You, once you covered Joe a few times, you just saw that he was a nice guy who was not that type of person to be provocative. and. Those people don't get frowned upon. Those people are more understood. All righty. Uh, let's, let's move on to this. Uh, we talk about the right-handed bat. Santana gives them another very uh, good right-handed bat in the lineup. Am I wrong in thinking that if they get representative healthy seasons from Buxton, Correa, and Royce Lewis, that that solves the right-handed hitting problem? Roy? Well, it goes an awful long way. I mean, it, it uh, you know to solving that. Um, they get if Royce Lewis is the is a, re, a real deal. He's got some things to work on. He, they started they started showing him inside fastballs and getting him out with sliders down and away. It's the classic classic thing that all young right hand hitters need to figure out. Um, uh, but I, I think he will continue to make adjustments and be, continue to be able to figure it out. He's got such talent. And if you make a mistake, then he he doesn't miss it, and he's got the kind of personality where he won't he he won't miss a, a cookie because he was sulking about striking out a few times in a row. You know, I mean, it just I think he's going to be a a terrific hitter. I would look for a big bounce back year from Carlos uh, uh, Correa, and um, if he has a normal year, uh, just 
you know, those two guys are, you know, will make a huge difference. Those two guys being more like who, who one of who's what he's going to become and the other one who he, he's already become. But the key to that is Buxton. I mean, it, I mean, let's let's just admit it. it, it I mean, if it, they, there's a huge offensive force from the right side of the plate that they have not had 120 games from in a season yet. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I mean, I, I, Royce Lewis is going to be terrific. Carl Scray is going to be better. And, and, and that's going to, he's going to have big offense potentially. The only way it even approaches solving the problem from the right side is not Carlos Santana. It's Byron Buxton playing 120 or 30 games, some, some kind of way. Right. I, I mean, I agree. I, I think if those guys step up, especially Correa and Buck, I will put Correa in that spot too. And, and, you know, credit to Carlos. He admitted that he, uh, he started swinging a bat in November this year. Cause he wants to get to a point where he's comfortable with the plate. It was never comfortable in the plate. Um, and you, you look at the numbers here. Um, and I, I do believe there's a correlation between OPS and no, between OPS and OPS plus. Cause usually most guys who have OPS around 800, are also have like about a 120, 125 OPS plus. I mean, Buxton and Correa were both under 100. Correa was at 94, and Buxton was at 98. Kirilov actually was 117. Believe it or not, I mean, that's not bad. He crushed righties when he was healthy last year. Yeah, OPS is 793. So, yeah, there's my correlation right there. If you get Buxton and Correa to raise their games to where people – um expect to raise it to levels where people expect them to. Um, this live's gonna be hard to beat. It's gonna be hard to pitch to. Uh, there's not gonna be a lot of safe safety spots there. I mean, Ryan Jeffers had a 134 OPS last year, you know, and he made some adjustments and figured some things out. So and Buxton has had OPS pluses it, my God, in 2021 he had OPS plus of 171. And in 2022 when he made the all-star game, it was 133. You know, if he, if he gets back to 120, that's huge for this offense. Correa, too. So, um, this this offense still has upside and bounce back ability. Of course, over the course of a season, other people get hurt. It's just, but I think when those two guys, Correa and Buxton, are not uh, operating at the levels they they are expected to, it really hampers offense because they wanted those guys to be in the heart of the lineup. So those guys getting back to what they can be would be huge. No doubt. Hey, next week, let's talk about whether Tory Hunter is a Hall of Famer. Let's get deeper into Roy's characterization of Royce and what he's going to have to do mechanically to deal with uh, how he was pitched last year and what his upside is. And let's ask the question, will, will baseball go to Las Vegas and will it work in Las Vegas? For today, <laughs> let's, get a final, let's get a final thought from each of you. Uh, it is Super Bowl week, so we can talk Super Bowl, football, you can talk uh, more baseball. I, I, here, I'll start off, give you a, sec, a second to think about this. I'm glad the Royals signed Bobby Witt. I think it's great for the division. It's great for baseball. It's great for the Royals. I, you know, I love the Royals organization. You know, I was at school at Missouri. I'd pop over and watch games there. I loved what they put together in their glory years. I loved George Brett. I loved Dan Quisenberry. Uh, so for them to keep spend be, for them to spend a lot of money to keep their rising young star, uh, it does my heart good. All right, let's go to Lavelle. Uh, well, since you brought up the Super Bowl, it's funny because I'm actually writing. A, I think you are too, Jim. I'm writing a Super Bowl column for Sunday's 
paper and they actually talked to uh, Paul Gunther who beat Pat Mahomes twice when he was the defensive coordinator with the uh, Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Yeah, Oakland Raiders. God, I, get, I get confused with how many towns they're at. And then um, I'm actually calling uh, Brad Childress after I get off this podcast to get his thoughts on Mahomes because now they're talking in terms of is Mahomes like the next Brady? Uh, what does it take for him to be considered on the same level as Brady? Uh, I'm going to argue that he's already at that level and we get too wound up over guys who have won championships as determining factors and how great they are. Um, Mahomes is great. Um, he could, he has made himself a quarterback who got, who once threw bombs to Tyreek Hill all day and now can throw underneath to other guys and watch them make plays. So I think he's just uh, the most well-rounded quarterback in football. What do you yeah, got, I talk, I, Yeah, I, I, I'd love – you know, the playoff uh, football, those, the two conference games were phenomenal. Uh, the, the two best teams have advanced to the, to the Super Bowl, which is great. And I want to talk quarterbacks, too. I mean, and I agree with everything that LaBelle said. I think Patrick Mahomes is already Brady caliber. Whether or not he wins that many titles is dependent on so many things beyond his control. And when it got to be beyond Brady's control, he said, screw it, I'm going to Tampa Bay. I mean, that's that was the biggest indication to me that, you know, I mean, you just you can't uh, you can't win all the time because other other factors get in the way. I, Mahomes is the is maybe the, the most exciting quarterback for me that I've you know, that I've watched. Uh, but I want to talk about Brock Purdy just for a second, because here's a guy that I mean. You talk about Rodney Dangerfield uh, getting no respect. Here's the guy's the last guy in the draft, picked in the draft. And now within, what, two years, he's led his team to the Super Bowl. And I just don't think there's anywhere near as uh, enough recognition and admiration for what that kid has done at, at his age. Uh, with the pressure that uh, he stepped into and be able to, in the pressure of the games and be able to deliver the way he's delivered, I don't know what it's going to be like. In the, he, he's going to be like in the in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's that's a level of pressure that you know no one faces in, at all. <laughs> uh, but here he is, and I wouldn't, I just wouldn't bet against him. I wouldn't bet that he was going to have a bad game. He's a competitor. He's uh, done incredible things. I just think that he deserves an awful lot more uh, respect for being terrific than he's gotten. And way too many people think that make the mistake because he's surrounded by a lot of talent and a great offensive coach that he's some kind of a game manager plugger. Uh, You got to look at the metrics. The metrics say he makes more big plays than anybody. He throws the ball deep downfield. Uh, he runs extremely well. He scrambles well. He's led them on big comebacks. Uh, he is, he's a, at the worst you can rate him is that he is a very good NFL quarterback. Now he has a chance to prove he's even better than that uh, Sunday and in the coming years, but he's not a game manager. He's not a limited player. He's not a plugger. He's a very good NFL quarterback, at least. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That wraps it up. We agree on something. Amazing. Uh, so uh, next week, it'll be Lavelle and myself. We'll talk about uh, – we're going to talk about Torrey Hunter and Andrew Jones, whether they should be in the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, when Roy gets back, we'll talk about Royce Lewis's hitting mechanics. We'll talk about Lavelle and I will talk about Vegas because he knows Vegas. Uh, for now, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, check out talknorth.com for all of our other shows. And Lavelle and I will talk to you next week. Yeah, I would just say Lavelle knows Vegas, but what he knows has to stay in Vegas. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, well, well, that will be next. Next week's show will be what can I get Lavelle to actually not leave in <laughs> Vegas? <laughs> uh, all right, guys.